0: Welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Supernatural Stories is the first podcast I've produced or been involved with. And I already think that it's the best podcast about the paranormal. There are somewhere between a hundred and a bajillion podcasts about ghost stories, but you are listening to this one. And I hope that it's because all of the stories here are true, you hear the emotions from the storytellers themselves recounting the experience, and I don't spend the first 15 minutes talking about my own personal blah blah blahs. So with that said, let's get right into the first story. Sonia had been listening to the show and waiting to get in touch with me to share this interesting, spooky story about a large, mysterious house back home in New Brunswick. The other two storytellers will talk about things they felt or heard, but couldn't see. But with this first story, what she saw was strange and belies a normal explanation.
1: Brunswick and the small community that I'm from near Fredericton there's a very old large house that's near the Fredericton airport actually it does have a plaque, it has a history, it was built by someone quite important in Canadian history and in my teen years I oh, that's how, how should I put this delicately, I had a boyfriend who was the local procurer of Verbal remedies.
0: (laughs) Okay, well put.
1: (laughs) And his sort of next chain up lived in this particular house. The house at some point had been split up into rental properties, like apartments and whatnot. I don't know if it's still that way now, but for a number of years it was that way because the house was just way too large for anyone practically to maintain one household in it. Canadian winters being what they are, it would be just insanely expensive. The house is massive, like it's described as having wings, it's so big. It was super hot, it was July or August, probably in the thirties temperature wise, but very, very, very humid and He needed to go to this particular house, which is probably about four kilometers away from his house. And being teenagers, we had bikes. So (laughs) we were biking on 10 speeds to this house. I can remember to this day how hot it was. And how overheated, you know, when you get to the point where you're covered in sweat, but you feel cold and chilled. And you can feel your cheeks are just flaming you're so hot and i just could not wait to get to this house (laughs) to be done biking (laughs) and it was you know the soft shoulder of the road so half the time we weren't even on pavement so it was a really hard bike to get there we finally get there and the person that he needs to see isn't actually there but there's a woman at the apartment and she says no problem she's expecting my boyfriend and she invites us in so we go into the apartment and it's on the ground floor of this really large house which is a two-story house but the ceilings are very high you know it's a house that's early 18 20s or 30s so the ceilings were probably 12 feet high maybe higher and really tall windows in The apartment that they occupied. So there was a large kitchen and living room sort of open to each other, and that was the space that we were in. I would call it hippie slash first apartment chic, (laughs) the way it was decorated. So lots of mishmash furniture and, you know, starter type of stuff. We could see out the windows the driveway and the road and like most of the room as well so the back we were really the back of us was to a wall she was a little weird but not in a off-putting way just in a maybe eccentric or shy you know you can't if you don't really know someone you're just trying to figure it out and there were lots of big plants you know in the 70s and 80s people were into macrame and they made the planters like macrame and braided with cording Yep, these hanging things that could support plants and whatnot well she had one in the corner of this apartment that was enormous like it probably hung six feet from the ceiling the ceramic pot that the plant was in was probably At least three feet around. It was huge. And it was a big trailing vine type of plant. So it was trailing all down toward the floor, plus it was climbing up around the windows and sort of across the ceiling and the wall. It was really big and really quite spectacular and lush looking. And there was a couple of smaller plants as well in the room that were in these hanging um, planters, but that one was, it really commanded a good portion of the corner of the room. I was sitting with a view of the entire room and the fellow that I was with asked her for a cigarette and she said she didn't have any, but we were welcome to roll some from her tobacco and whatnot. So I was, in charge of doing that. So I was rolling a few cigarettes while he and she were talking. And I'm not really sure what they were talking about. It could have been business. It could have been just shooting the breeze. I can't recall. But this apartment, it was hot. Everything was hot. I'm just thinking. She, however, had a sweater on. And as I'm sitting there rolling a cigarette, I know that she has a sweater on and she's sort of hugging herself. And I'm thinking, well, that's part of her weirdness whatever. And I said to her, are you cold? And she just looked at me and she said, I'm always cold. Okay. So I go back to looking after the cigarette rolling. I'm doing whatnot. And I didn't realize it at the time, but they had stopped talking. And then she says in a whispered voice, do you see that? I look up just as my boyfriend says, yes. So I look to him to see where his eyes are and he's looking in the corner at this plant in the pot and it is swinging back and forth by itself, like significantly swinging back and forth. So much so that some of the little vines are like coming undone from the little hooks that are holding them along the ceiling. The ones that are trailing down are moving a lot. So the three of us are sitting there. I know my mouth was hanging open. We're staring at this pot, and then a car door slams. and scares (laughs) the crap out of all three of us. The three of us jump. It's the person that we've been waiting for. They've arrived our attention is brought to the window, we look out, we see the car. I looked back toward the plant and it wasn't moving. It was still, completely still. It was one of those things where your brain says, how is this happening? But you haven't caught up with it yet to sort of figure it out. And then the moment was interrupted and I'm still left wondering so now the gentleman that we're waiting for comes in. They conduct their business. What have you? I don't have any time to talk to her. I, I don't mention it to her. It's not part of the discussion. Business is settled and we leave. So of course I'm asking him, my boyfriend, lots of questions like how many times has he been there? Has he always been in that apartment? What's going on? He's like he didn't he swears that he had never seen anything like that there previously. But this house, as long as I've lived in that community, which I was born there, and I lived there until about 13 years ago when I moved to Ontario, that house and property always had a reputation of being haunted, um, strange goings-on, all that kind of stuff, continuously. It is creepy-looking. It has a long driveway. It has, you know... Trees bordering both sides of the driveway that arch over top of it so it has that sort of look. In all the years that I lived in this little community, and it's a small community, I never personally knew anyone who actually lived in that house. Which is odd, because I knew everyone. But the only time I was ever in that house was that day. And that woman that I met there, I didn't know her. I didn't know her prior to that, and I didn't know her after that. So I find that weird, that local people don't live in that house, if that makes any sense. I've heard stories that it was part of the Underground Railroad, that there are tunnels that go from the house to the river. The river is directly behind, this would be the St. John River, directly behind the house. So it would be not, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to me. Like it would, it would be just maybe 100 feet to get to close to the river edge with a tunnel. People always told tales of it being haunted. We would go there as kids, there were apple orchards on either side of the house, and we would go there in the night to do apple raids and <laughs> you know, steal a bag of apples criminals that we were (laughs) and we were always you know pretty pretty uh quick to get in and get out (laughs) we didn't want to spend lots of time in those uh apple fields late at night in the dark there's no way this place had air conditioning not a chance there was no fan in the room that we were in there could have been a fan somewhere else that i didn't see but there's no way that a like a typical floor fan, would have moved this pot. This pot was huge. I'm still left wondering how that
0: happened. It very much defies physics. You know, that actually is reminding me strongly of a local story. There's Balzac's Cafe in Toronto in the Distillery District downtown. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been to Distillery District? I have, yes. They do a haunted walk tour there. That's great. And on the tour, they talk about local stories from the area. And one of them was that the person came in to open the cafe in the morning. And they have a very large chandelier. It weighs like really hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It's huge. Just like the pot you were talking about was three foot diameter. must have weighed 100 pounds or something. This weighed hundreds of pounds. It was like an old wrought iron antique thing that had been brought in. They had had to specially change the ceiling in order to attach it so that it could be firmly attached so that it could hold the weight properly sure. that was swinging wildly on the chain swinging back and forth all the way quickly swinging when the person came in and then they didn't know what to do they were too afraid to go in because they were worried that it could snap because even though it had been designed to hold the weight you know when you start swinging it fast that's really increasing the pressure on it and they were worried that it was was gonna fly off. So they waited. For
1: sure, what you're saying is absolutely true. I work in decor and we spec and install chandeliers for clients all the time. Even a small one is very heavy. Wow, that would have been scary. I would have been afraid of it falling too.
0: Objects moving with no apparent cause. What do you think could have made a large object start and then stop swinging without anyone hearing or noticing? Invisible forces like these are what paranormal researchers spend time trying to measure or track down. I personally think that we don't have the tools in our kit to understand these effects yet. We don't entirely know how gravity works yet either, so, it might be a bit ambitious to think that science's lack of explanation for these paranormal incidents is itself an explanation. I've personally witnessed a few times where objects moved without any apparent cause. If you've ever seen anything move, or like some of the storytellers who have spoken to me, objects flying at you, do get in touch, contact me, send me a message. You can get to the Facebook page for the show by going to www.supernaturalstories.ca and I'll respond to your messages and get you on the show to tell your story on a future episode. Whether you ascribe it to telekinesis or poltergeists or whatever it is, the explanation is not what we're after in sharing these stories. The question is really more interesting than the answer because it just leads to more questions. I hope you enjoy going down the rabbit hole, learning about things you might have never thought possible. The next story is one we can all probably relate to having problems sleeping somewhere new, somewhere unfamiliar. Dreams where you are visited, especially sexual dreams, are popular in the folklore with the words incubus and succubus being fairly well-known still today. It's no laughing matter, at least it certainly wasn't for Rainy, who got in touch with me from Montreal to share this next story. I
2: was pregnant with my... 15-year-old daughter in summer of 2002, a month before she was born. That was in Montreal when it happened. Me and my boyfriend, the mother of my daughter, we were staying with his grandmother because we didn't have a place to stay and we were both young. Well, we slept in the living room where there was a couch that was convert-vertible, and we slept there. I woke up one night. Well, it was really hot, summer day, mm-hmm. uh, like between July and August.
0: Just like today, between July and August.
2: Yes, exactly, like 15 years ago. We were sleeping, and I was sleeping on my left side i um, looking towards the other side and my ex-boyfriend was, was on the right side, looking through the right side, like facing. I woke up with something or I thought it was my boyfriend touching around me and it was pretty deep when he was touching me. I woke up and I just, I was so tired and I thought, oh, he's touching me. And I thought he wanted to do something to me, and I, I just smiled a bit. And then I look at the hour, I, I look at the alarm clock, it's like 3.06 uh, or 3.05 a.m. I just uh, tried to go back to sleep, and the minute I closed my eyes, something was touching me again. This time, the place became really cold, and I could see the smoke out of my mouth. I didn't understand uh, the situation and felt something, big hands, and they they were touching me deeper, like around my body. And I was like, I opened my eyes. Oh, my God, I can feel something was not right. So I turned right to see if my ex-boyfriend was awake. But he was snoring, sleeping very deeply and snoring. I tried to wake him up and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. So I just hold him really hard because I can feel something was watching me in the dark corner. And I started praying. I couldn't sleep all night long because of cold, big hands touching me. and. I could hear whispers and then morning came, was like around 5.36. My ex-boyfriend had to go to work and his grandmother had to go somewhere and I was left alone. They put back the convertible bed into couch. I tried to lie down again because I was so tired. I couldn't sleep and I, I lay on my back. I opened my eyes because I heard some noise. And because I was laying on my back facing the ceiling, I saw something like sinister, like uh, very old looking, wrinkled with dark eyes like a witch flying around the ceiling. She was wearing a light blue sky uh, old gown that was like all torn up, staring at me with her white hair uh, flickering. I just looked at her right through in the eye, and I was—I felt that I was locked in her eyes and felt very uneasy feeling. I just flew away <laughs> like I just left the house, the apartment, without any sandals or anything else. I just left, it with with my dress on. And I I never went back until my my ex-boyfriend and her grandmother comes back. I told them the whole story, and my ex-boyfriend told me that he experienced this thing. Before this experience happened to me, they told me that there was killing in that apartment building. People were saying that this place is haunted or something like that. I wanted to go back there and try to get the history from it. I went back there actually by the bus to see if that place still exists and I was really surprised that it's not that apartment building is not even existing anymore.
0: This next story is also about disturbances in the night. How many of you have experienced sleep paralysis? Maybe if you're like me this last summer, some nights it was too hot and you were kept awake. But have you ever woken from your sleep, unable to move? When we sleep, our brains keep our bodies paralyzed so that we don't move around too much. Sleep disturbances can cause you to wake up while your body remains paralyzed. That alone would be terrifying enough but it is extremely common to also see images of ghoulish entities in the room with you, which you can only look at, unable to scream, as it approaches and comes closer and closer until it is on top of you. In fact, many people wake out of the sleep paralysis with a loud scream. I spoke earlier this year with Monica from Montreal. She shared a story in episode 6, Poltergeist, about the mysterious appearance of plane darts stuck into the floors of the apartment. A truly strange story, that episode is full of them, so go back and check it out. Here again is Monica.
3: I had sleep paralysis, which is weird, and it was like someone was scratching me with claws, like I could feel it, and for minutes, you know? Like someone was scratching down my sides, and I was like trying to yell stop, but like nothing, you know, you can't move, you can't talk.
0: Here is a trick for sleep paralysis. If it happens yeah. again, anyone can use this trick. You can still blink your eyes.
3: Try to blink your eyes? Try to
0: blink your eyes. Try to move your eyes at all. Sometimes it might take a second. But if you really think about it, your eyes will yeah. start to move, and then your face will move, and the rest of you will, will wake okay. up. It's a trick yeah, to I get remember out of that, it.
3: Because after that happened, like, I, I, wouldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep for hours. I put the light on, and I just sat in my bed like freaking out it was so crazy it was like there was really someone there scratching me
0: oh i totally understand i've had it all i've had it too many times since i was a young kid actually
3: that's it but that's the thing like when i was younger nothing like that ever really happened
0: only since you moved to this apartment right
3: yeah yeah yeah. but uh, i've had another thing actually because it made well talking to you uh, online there made me uh Recall an experience I had years ago, and it was in a different apartment. But I have a friend. Well, I had a friend. She committed suicide years ago, and I was giving my daughter a bath when she was a baby. And out of nowhere, I heard my friend laugh from behind me. You know, and it was just like out of nowhere. Like I haven't even, I hadn't even thought of her in, I don't know how long. You know, I just heard her laugh behind me. And it, it was just so strange. It was like, I knew it was her. And why would, you know? It was pretty cool.
0: Thanks for sharing those stories. Thanks for getting in touch with me from the post.
3: Yeah, no problem. Well, it interested me because I, you know, I don't really have many friends that are interested in that. And I don't really have many people to tell about it. So it's nice to be able to share and to know, like, I mean, when I see stories like this, I know people are making it up. Like, why would you make that up? You know what I mean?
0: No, yeah, no, absolutely. But everyone's
3: absolutely. always so skeptical. It's like...
0: If you've got a story of your own, again, you can get in touch easily. Go to supernaturalstories.ca, it takes you to the Facebook page you can also subscribe to keep up on the show. Or maybe you just listened and thought it was all a bunch of BS. Want to get in touch with me to correct my lack of skepticism? Please do too. Would love to have you on the show. As of right now, there are 4,000 plus people who are fans on the Facebook page, which is really cool. It's the easiest way to share the show with the links on there with new people. So if you liked what you heard, then why don't you strike up a conversation about it? Share the show with your friends, family, pen pals, barbers, voodoo witches, etc. If we can grow the audience to double where it is now, then I might get enough story submissions to one day move the show to being every week instead of every other week. For now, producing it is a part-time job for me. I'm going around frequently posting for the show, and I spend a lot of time researching for it and conducting interviews. That and online costs add up, so any contribution you can make to the show will support new episodes being produced. Easy way to do that is at www.patreon.com slash supernatural stories. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And again, Supernatural Stories, all one word, no funny spellings. It's pain-free to send a dollar or more. If you send 3.6 times that amount, you also get a complimentary mug, handmade in Toronto, that says Supernatural Stories on it. Hopefully you don't run into any technical difficulties in that process, but if you do... Blame the internet, not the supernatural. If your lights go out right as I'm saying this, though, you might have something else on your hands. Cheers. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. Music featured in the show was by Peter DePhillips with Along the Mohawk Trail, Audio Nautics with Plantation, Trez Tristatangos with Planta Baja, and the Lemon Bucket Orchestra with If I Had the Strength. The rest were tracks composed by myself, Cal Goodbaum. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting A Place for the Supernatural. I'm currently taking all sorts of story submissions, everything from weird electronic glitches to strange birds to haunted hospitals. Get in touch with your true story at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time.